You're listening to the Pursuit of Christ podcast, where we are passionate about developing a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ by taking the truths of Scripture and applying them to everyday life. We hope that you'll be encouraged and challenged as we examine God's Word together today. So if you have your Bibles, we are going to be in Proverbs chapter number 10 this morning. And uh, Proverbs chapter 10, really, it starts a kind of a new section in the book of Proverbs. So Proverbs chapters 1 through 9 have really been the, the discourse sections. There's been um, longer sections of teaching. Uh, you get into Proverbs chapter 10, and those sections get shorter. So we're entering into, uh, for lack of a better word, the proverbial section of Proverbs. Um, and so the, the, uh, the arguments begin to get a, a little bit shorter. The Proverbs themselves, it, it turns into more of the short, pithy statements that we commonly associate with the idea of a proverb. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at really the first unit in this section, which is Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. And I just want to take a minute to read that to you. It says this, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Treasures of, the wicked, of, treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. He becometh poor that dealeth with the slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth, causeth shame. So we really have two different sons here that are mentioned in this text. You have a wise son and you have a foolish son. And obviously the question then becomes, which son are you going to be? Are you going to be a wise son or are you going to be a foolish son? And I hope that as we've studied through the book of Proverbs, we hear that question and think, well, I want to be a wise son. So let's look at the qualities of each. First of all, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is heaviness to his mother. So obviously we see the father and the mother here are the parents. I think this brings to mind the responsibility that a son had to provide for his parents in their old age. And this was obviously much more common in ancient Israel than it is probably in our, in our society and in our culture today. But it was an expectation that the sons would care for and take care of the parents in their old age. That was one of the reasons that the oldest son received a double portion or a double inheritance. Part of that inheritance was used to take care of his parents as they became elderly and were no longer able to provide for themselves. So a son that handles that economic responsibility well obviously makes a glad father, but a son that fritters that away is heaviness to his mother. And then he says in verse 2, treasures of the wicked, uh, treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but the righteousness delivereth from death. So I think that this is a warning against sometimes the, the foolish and the wicked. We've seen this theme again throughout the book of Proverbs, but there's this idea of, hey, we're going to go and try try these different get rich schemes. Let's let's jump on the latest pyramid scheme. Let's invest all of our money in this. Let's try to do this. Let's work from home and make $100,000 a year and, and for doing nothing and all that kind of stuff, right? And so we see that uh, the treasures of wickedness, but uh, they, they profit they profit nothing. So you invest your money, you put your money into these various things, you, you, you invest your economic time and, and your economic wealth into these things, but they, they don't profit. But, but righteousness delivereth from death. Those who are walking in accordance with God's wisdom, they will be preserved. 
And I think that in, in verse two, we don't want to make more of the text than what's in the text. But I do think there what it says, the righteousness delivereth from death, that goes beyond simple economic prosperity. And I do think that there's a spiritual application there that, hey, those that walk in wisdom, they're not just going to be physically preserved, but they will be spiritually preserved as well. Obviously, we know that righteousness and obedience to God's commands brings blessing, not just physical blessing, but it also brings spiritual blessing and benefit as well. I want to skip down to verse four for a second. It says this, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. So those that are, uh, those that are lazy, those that struggle to, um, those that are lazy are, are, are those that um, are just not diligent. Those that are not uh, on top of their work, they have a poor work ethic. The word here that's used is slack. That obviously saps away your material wealth. That saps away your income. But he also says that the hand of the diligent maketh rich. So those with a good work ethic, those that are um, those that are willing to grind, those that are willing to put in the effort, those that they come and they work hard, they will be rich. And then he says in verse five, he that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. So the individuals that get out in the heat, the, the individuals that get out and they work hard and they gather and they save the idea of Joseph in the book of Genesis comes to mind when he had that vision that or he had that dream that there was going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. What do they do? They get out and harvest and then they save for the years of famine that are upcoming. Right, So you get out and you work hard in the summer. You get out and work hard in the heat. We can understand this in Houston, right? It's hot outside and it's hard work, but he that does that is a wise son. But the individual that sleepeth through the harvest, that's an individual that will be shamed. And we see that later on in the book of Proverbs as well, right? We see the ant that works hard, gathers. Uh, and then you have the sloth that doesn't do that. And when winter comes and there's, there's difficult times ahead, one individual has stored up and saved and they have plenty and the other individual has not and they are lacking and they are in need. So this is the qualities of the wise son and the foolish son. So then the question becomes, well, which kind of a son are we? But you'll notice that I skipped over verse three. I want to read that again very quickly because verse three is really the hinge for this entire text. It says this, the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. So if you look in verse one, a wise son makes a glad father. Verse two, the righteousness, right? He that works hard, it delivers him from death. You look at verse four, the hand of the diligent makes rich. Verse five, he that gathereth in summer is a wise son. All of those are personal efforts, right? On the part of the wise son. He is the one that is investing the time and the effort. But notice verse three, is the wise son the one that is credited with the blessings that come with his work? Is he the one that is credited with the blessings that come with his labor and with his effort and with his sweat? No, what does it say in verse three? The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. And it's important for us to recognize this. You and I are responsible to put in the work and we're responsible to put in the sweat and we're responsible to put in the effort, but ultimately it's not about us. The Lord is the one who will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. And you and I can rest in the fact that, hey, we have a responsibility. All of these qualities that he lays out in this text are personal responsibilities. We've got to go out and sweat in the summertime. We've got to go out and we've got to be diligent, right? We've got to be a wise son. We have to do those things. 
but it's the Lord that is the one that is credited with providing the increase. And if we do those things, if we walk in the wisdom that he has laid before our path, he will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. Now, this was an especially poignant message for the nation of Israel, because the nation of Israel was, um, when you look at them in the Old Testament, they were not just a spiritual body, but they were also a, uh, they were a, I mean, they were a religious body, they were a social body, they were an ethnic body, they were all of those different things that were put together, and they were ruled over by God, they were a theocracy in the real sense of the word, so the, the ethnic the political, the social, the religious were all tied up into this identity of them being a part of the nation of Israel. And I think that we see this here in Proverbs 10 verses 1 through 5. And so we say, okay, well, how do we take this principle and where do we see this relayed in the New Testament? And I think in a spiritual sense, we see this principle of we have the responsibility to get out and work and God gives the increase. We see that in Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13. And in that text, the Apostle Paul tells us, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I think spiritually speaking, that's the same principle that we see here in Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. In a physical, in a sense of physical blessing, we see it in Proverbs chapter 10. You have the responsibility to get out and work and sweat. It's God that provides the, the blessing. It's God that provides the increase. In a spiritual sense, Paul relays this principle in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. He says, look, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That is a personal responsibility. That is a personal call. So you and I have the responsibility to put in some spiritual sweat. We can't just sit around and twiddle our thumbs and say, God, work out your process of sanctification in me. That's not how it works. You and I have to put in the effort. We have to pray and ask the Lord to help manifest the fruits of the Spirit in us. And then we have to do the hard work of self-control. We have to do the hard work of patience. We have to do the hard work of loving, unlovable people. We have to do the hard work in, in a few minutes here. I've got an appointment to go out with Brad and, and do some soul winning out in our local community. It's already over 90 degrees. We're going to go out and walk the streets and sweat. That is hard work. That's hard work, especially in August in Houston. But at the same time, you and I are commanded to work out our own salvation. Because God has saved us, he has laid out good works in our path. And you and I are responsible to walk in those good works. But do you and I receive the credit for the sanctification that God works in us and then through us? No, because Philippians 2.13 tells us, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. As we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God, and as we passionately pursue after Jesus Christ, it is God who works out that change in our heart and in our life. I think Jerry Bridget said it well, and I didn't look up the exact quote, so I might butcher it a little bit. This is my rough paraphrase. So Jerry Bridget said, work as if it all depends on you, and trust as if nothing depends on you at all. So you and I have the responsibility to work, to work, to go out, put in the spiritual sweat as though everything depends on us. But then we give it to the Lord and we trust in him, understanding that ultimately none of it depends on us. And it all depends on the Lord to work for us and in us and then through us. And I think that that 
spiritually. I think that that's the principle that we see fleshed out by Solomon in Proverbs chapter 10. Look, work, get out, get after it, get it done. But understand that as you do that, the credit doesn't go to you. The credit goes to the Lord. He is the one that will make sure that the righteous doesn't famish. So as I was studying this this morning, that's an encouraging thought. It's a challenging thought. We have to get out and get after it and get it done. But it's also an encouraging thought because ultimately it doesn't depend on me. It depends on the Lord. And he's promised to do it. Philippians 1.6 tells us that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that is an incredible blessing. That's an incredible truth that we can take and cling on to and hold to as we do the hard work and as we put in the spiritual sweat effort today to passionately pursue after Jesus Christ. So I hope that this is a challenging thought for you. I hope that this is encouraging and a blessing. And uh, I know it's been a blessing for me. I hope that it's a good challenge for you as well. So tomorrow, uh, Billy's going to be on with you, and he's going to be moving on in Proverbs chapter 10. So I trust that you'll be back tomorrow to hear from him. And uh, I know that you'll enjoy your time in God's Word together with him. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I trust that this has been a blessing and an encouragement. Let's go now and not just be a hearer of the Word, but let's be a doer of it. May God help us to do just that. All right, thank you so much, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If this episode was a help to you, please subscribe and share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.